Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Vince Russo makes his talk as Jericho debuted today to talk about his role in uh, bringing me into the WWE. He basically recruited me. Uh, what happened when Vince uh, jumped ship to WCW right after I got there? Kind of left me hanging. Uh, when he knew it was time to leave uh, Vince McMahon's uh, organization, Russo's also talking about some of his favorite storylines that he was involved with. Angles with The Rock, Gold Dust, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin. How and why... Uh, Vince became so hated by wrestling fans and what he thinks about today's product. But before we get to Vinny Rue, let's get our holiday spirit rocking with my first ever Christmas song. Uh, all the proceeds from this tune benefit juvenile diabetes research funding. So here's Chris Jericho, that's me, and the Christmas Elves doing a cover of the Kinks Christmas classic, Father Christmas.
Father Christmas. I hope you liked it. If you did, you can uh, pick it up wherever you buy and stream music. iTunes, Amazon, Spotify. It's available everywhere. Remember, if you actually buy the tune, which is a rare thing these days, but if you do, you're giving something back because it benefits a great cause. JDRF, who is uh, trying to find a cure for type 1 diabetes. Alright, so we're ready to rock it. Let's get to Vince Russo. Alright, so after 20 years, maybe, reunited with uh, Vince Russo here in, uh, in, uh, in Colorado, which is very, very cool. And it's funny because I haven't seen you literally since I think I showed up in Long Island, maybe, uh, Nassau Coliseum, and, and it was very early on in my WWE tenure, and maybe two months, and the big we had a big meeting that Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara yeah. had yeah. left WWE to WCW, and it was like that's the last time I saw you. It was probably the week before that. Do you know anything more about that night? I really don't. Have you heard any stories about? I that mean, night? maybe rumors there, but we haven't spoken, so I'd like to hear it from you. You have to have heard this story, but anyway, we the shows were written. Okay, mm. what happened was, bro, the shows were written. I met with WCW over the weekend. Mm. Okay, just to back up a little bit, Chris, like. The reason why I left the WWE was you're a dad, I'm a dad. I'm Italian, very proud Italian. When Vince McMahon, you know, bro, Vince McMahon had just added SmackDown to our to, to our schedule, never spoke to us about it. And and bro, to me and Ed, it was a big deal because we took great pride in, in writing Raw. Now all of a sudden you're telling us to write another show and we don't we don't want to water down our work. Mm-hmm. So we're like my god how are we going to write another show to our standards, you know? So I went into Vince's office and I kind of had a heart to heart and heart to heart and I just said Vince listen, I said I'm not seeing my family at home. My my wife is raising my family by herself. I wanted my wife to be able to move my family to her hometown. I said, Vince, if I have to fly back to see them on the weekends, where, where was the hometown? Do, uh, Evansville, Indiana. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I said, if I if I just have to fly there in a week, I said, but my wife is, you know, literally raising my three kids on her own. And bro, I'll never forget w- without blinking an eye, he looked me straight in the eye and said, Vince, I don't understand what the problem is. Why don't you why don't you hire a nanny to watch your kids? I'm paying you enough. Bro, I'm telling you, Chris, as soon as the words came out of his mouth, game was over. Yeah. He told me right then and there, I don't give a shit about you. I don't give a shit about your family. This company is first. Get a nanny. 
game over. Mm -hmm. So I immediately, you know, I, I had some people at WCW. I had Jeff Jarrett. I had Kevin Nash. I had a couple people down there. They hooked me up with J.J. Dillon. I flew, I flew down to WCW that weekend. Now, you got to understand, I knew the minute I got on that plane to go to Atlanta, I was working for WCW. Right. There was no going back. I mean, you know, that was it. But my point was, the shows were written. Raw and SmackDown were already written, okay? So what we wrote on the Raw show from the island, the show that you're talking about, bro, you were beating Rock in the main event. Wow. That was the show where Ed and I was like, this, this show is going to make Jericho like this. So, bro, we had you beaten Rock in the main event. That was the only thing they changed on the show. Wow. That was the only thing they changed was the finish of that match. And, bro, I say it to this day. For as over as you got in, the w in WWE, bro, there's no doubt in my mind that that would have happened two years yeah. earlier if they would have went with this plan. Well, I think what happened too is I think I was kind of the scapegoat because I think so. because for, and we'll talk about this from the start. You you brokered the deal to get me in, and we'll talk about that. But when you were kind of my biggest champion, and all the stuff that we did the first couple months was your vision and your thoughts. I think when you left, Vince was like, "Oh, ho, ho, ho. all right, this little project of his." kill him yeah because that's when i was like oh i'm in big trouble because i'd been around the business for nine years at that point in time I, I know it's an old school territorial thing that fans don't know nowadays but back in the day when bookers changed the last bookers favorite quote unquote always got you know stuck to the bottom yeah. of the card and that was really something man that i, I hated that about the business and mm. they still carry that out today i yeah. don't know if you saw tmz today about flair with you know rick flair now filed the lawsuit against the wwe over the man Mm -hmm. Because he was expecting, okay, you guys can use it, but, you know, I mean, give me a little something for using it. Well, they gave him nothing. Yeah. So I'm reading today, he filed the lawsuit, and that's the first thing I'm thinking of. Poor Charlotte. Like, Charlotte is screwed. Mm. And, bro, I, I hate that that is still a part of the business. When, because I leave, because of something he said about my family, Chris Jericho, it's yeah. going to pay for it's the martyr. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I, I, I hate that stuff. And it's not like business. we were like best friends or anything. I'd no. known you for a very short time. Yeah. But I always, I mean, like I said, I, I'd been around the business long enough to like, oh, this is going to change. And it did change, like you said, pretty much overnight. Yes. But I mean, that's just how the business goes. Now you got to start from scratch all over again. Yes. But let's just talk briefly from the other side of the coin, which was, which was how selfishly I just was one of those for myself, how you got me into the WWE in the first place. Because I know it started with, because Don Callis was working in WWE or had just finished up or at the time and said, Vince Russo was asking, when your contract is up. And at this point in time, I'd been, this is the famous time when I was in WCW for a year and a half and didn't have a signed contract because mm -hmm. they were too unorganized to even check and see who had signed it. Yeah. Which is so insane when you think about it in this day and age. I had been a champion. I had I think I had the television championship or at least the cruiserweight one. And when he called me and asked, I was already in the throes of like, wow, I mean, I don't know if I can do anything here because I always wanted to be in the WWE. I grew up in Winnipeg. There was right. no WCW. Yeah. And you can, like you said, you can read the tea leaves, so to speak, and know there's not a lot of plans here for me in the future. So when, when he brought up your name, I was like, well, 
let's talk. I mean, how do you, how is it on your end? How do you remember? No, nah, Chris, I do remember it. And again, bro, this is this is the, this is going to sound like the part that Vince Russo's blowing smoke, and no, I'm no. not. I'll tell you exactly what happened. You know, I, I don't know if this is an old school thing. I don't know if this doesn't exist anymore. But the it factor. I was without a shadow of a doubt an it factor guy. I, I mean, Chris, I'm telling you, I can see guys today, and I I'll, I'll say, uh uh-uh. uh. You had the it factor. Mm. And, bro, the thing was, there were a couple of things. You had the it factor, and you were down on the card. So seeing the combination of those two things, like this guy has not even scratched the surface. He's young. And I got to tell you, Chris, something I really think is missing from today's business. Cool. Cool. Mm. You were the guy I wanted to be. Mm. And I knew you would be the guy every 14, 15, 16-year-old kid would want to be. The cool factor. Mm -hmm. And I knew, bro, I I didn't know what was going on contract-wise, stuff like that, but I knew you were under the radar. And that's when I thought, my God, if we can get him over here and get the machine behind him and put him in the right role... He will, he will blow up, and that's that's what we did. Mm. Do you remember when uh, when we w- I went to Vince's house for the writers meeting, Chris? I swear to God, you said something about that on Twitch, and I said, Bro, "Oh, that's right." You I, said yeah, it never happened. I, I said, "No, I, I didn't say oh. it didn't happen." I said, "I didn't remember." Maybe you weren't there. Yeah, you must have been there because you're the one who brokered the whole deal. I, I don't know, bro. I don't remember that. But then, then Disco said to me, "Vince, you got to understand something." Chris has a photographic memory. I said, "Bro, if Chris says it happened." I know it happened, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember we, that. We would, we had chatted a couple times over the phone, and how, this is so. I've talked to Vince McMahon about this a few times, and he remembers it as as plain as day. And it's one of those things where he said, "I said, why did you?" I'll tell the story first. They want you to uh, to come to Vince's house for a for to, to meet him. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Yeah. I've only been to Vince's house once in my entire life. I worked for him for 20 years. I never got invited to that freaking house again that one time. Was with you. <laughs> and so I flew from, we did the, the United Center Nitro. Mm-hmm. And then somehow I said I needed the day off to do whatever I was going to do. And I flew to New York City, got picked up by Tommy, Vince's yep. limo driver. Yes. We got a sign yep. that said like Mr. Pink or Mr. Blue or whatever it was. Yeah. Mr. Robinson and get in the car and drive to Stanford and knock on the door and Shane McMahon opens. And you got to keep in mind, like for us, we know these guys like the back of our hands. Now, at the time, I'd never met Shane McMahon right, or any right. McMahon. To have him open the door, go, I'm Shane McMahon. I'm like, uh, no shit. Uh, I'm Chris yeah. Jericho. And that's when I went inside, and you guys were having a booking meeting. And I sat down, and it was, from what I recall, you must have been there. Vince, you, uh, Bruce, uh, who's the guy? Bill Banks. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Ed was there as well, yeah. Shane. And I remember uh, I sat there, like, literally thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. There's a booking meeting, and, you know, Vince is asking me, like, what do you think about this finish or that? And we had lunch. You you guys sent out for lunch, you know. (laughs) And I just remember, like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And Vince never asked me if I wanted a job. He he never said anything tampering-wise at the end of the meeting. Because I went down, there's, like, a little, like, a lower-level thing, and there's a big, giant oil painting of (laughs) Vince in there, right? (laughs) I remember that. And yeah. uh, how could you forget? Yeah. And basically, <laughs> I asked him years later, why did you do this? Because I wanted to see if I could trust you. I wanted to impress you and see if I could trust you. Because yeah. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. But that was how much of a, of a belief you had to be able to, con- I'm assuming you convinced Vince to well, take you a see, look that, at that's me. That's what a lot of people, Chris, don't know this about Vince. You know, a lot of times, bro, like I'll say stuff and, you know, I'm bullshit. I'm a liar. I'm a this, I'm a that. No, bro. Like, there's, I have no reason to lie. 
Bro, Vince didn't watch WCW. Mm -hmm. Vince not. didn't watch ECW. He had no idea who was out there. Now, bro, he knew the established stars, you know, like, you know, Lex and... <laughs> yeah, he knew Hogan was there. Yeah, whatever, he yeah. didn't know, you know, a Chris Jericho. So, like, I'm watching all this other stuff. So when I would come back to him and say, Vince, like, you know, we really got to get this guy... Um, you know, bro, at that point, you know, he just really trusted me. And if I said, man, we could, you know, we could skyrocket this guy, there, there wasn't an argument. It's almost part of your job as being almost a scout for him as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Was there anybody else over the years that you said that about that he brought in? Well, bro, a, a lot of guys at ECW, bro, <laughs> probably about four or five guys. And I mean, he, I, I doubt if Vince McMahon ever watched an ECW show. Why, why would he? Yeah, why you know, would he? I why would he? That. Yeah, so, what, you know, yeah. there were so many guys I was seeing at ECW saying, man, we got to get this one, we got to get that one. And, you know, 3D, you know, Taz, we brought Al Snow back when he was doing the head gimmick. So, yeah, I mean, we brought a lot of guys back. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Now you just mentioned that, that you, you, people get mad at you and people in the wrestling business hate you and all this stuff. Why do you, why do you feel that is? Well, I, I think I think it's really twofold. I really believe it's twofold. When I was writing for the WWE, I didn't have a single enemy. Okay, nobody knew who I was. Okay, but Chris, I had been a fan of the business long enough, and now I worked in the business. And Vince kind of taught me the ropes. Like I knew how this thing worked. So when I became an on-air character at WCW, bro, I know people hate New Yorkers. So the minute I became an on-air character, my whole idea was, bro, if you want to hate New Yorkers, I'm going to give you a reason. I microscoped my personality a thousand times over. I became the New Yorker everybody wanted to hate. And Chris, I'll be honest with you. I think people thought I was that guy. Mm. I because bro, people hate New Yorkers to begin with. And now I was wearing the jerseys, the gold chains, the whole nine yards. I think that's number one. And I think number two, and I think it still carries to this day. Bro, my emphasis was on entertainment and characters. I knew we had to draw the masses. Bro, my philosophy has always been, you've got the marks. The marks aren't going anywhere. If wrestling is in the marquee, the marks are coming to the show. You got to get the rest of the television viewers that don't watch wrestling. Wrestling isn't cool. You get them through entertainment and characters. You give, you have a little bit of everything on the show. So my shows were very, very entertainment oriented. Bro, the Marks hated that. You know, the Marks wanted the matches. They didn't want Val Venus, choppy, choppy, pee pee. They didn't want any of that shit. They just wanted the matches. But I mean, bro, at the end of the day, Chris, my goal was this. And, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. As a wrestling fan, 
I wanted as many people to watch the product as possible. I wanted people to see what I got hooked on as a kid and what I loved as a kid. You know, Chief J. Strongbow and George the Animal Steel and Ernie Led. I wanted the world to see what wrestling was. That was my goal, to get as many people to watch as possible. And I mean, I really think it was a combination of those two things that, you know, I became enemy number one. And I'm like, bro, Chris, do you know 10 million people were watching wrestling on Monday nights? Yeah. 10 million. How, how could I be the enemy, yeah, guys? Yeah. 10 million people were watching the shows. And then obviously, too, I mean, I, I know how, how it works in WWE because, because Vince is the filter. Vince is the be-all, end-all. Vince has the final say. How much of, of – because I agree with you, by the way, and I say that to this day. You have to connect with the audience, mm -hmm. whether it's WWE, whether it's rock and roll, whether you're a stand-up comedian, whatever it is. A, mm -hmm. a great athlete that has a big fan base, you know, like, like a, a Tom Brady. You have to connect with yep. the audience. Yep. If you don't have some sort of a personality, and obviously times have changed where you don't have to be, you know, a garbage man in wrestling or a chef or a porn star, right. but you still have to have, like we were just talking about this stupid, uh, uh, little bit of the bubbly. Whatever yeah. reason, right. people liked it. Right. Because there's a connection to it. Right. That's how you get over in wrestling. It doesn't matter how good your matches are because in this day and age, we've become more of a sheet reading, internet reading atmosphere where if you're not having five-star matches, whatever that even means, you're not good. I still disagree right. to this day. Yep. Um, it's about the characters. That's that's what show business is. Yep. Not just wrestling. And even sports. Ty Domi's beating somebody up and skating down the ice, mimicking that he was the champ. That's right. what I always liked about it. Yep. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. Right. My question is, when you started in WWE and the Attitude Era started going on, what was the, what was kind of the, the, the writing pitch to go to Vince to, let's say, were you using a lot of characters that yeah. the guys were giving you? No, it was real simple, Chris. I mean, and, and he, here's the thing that drives me crazy. We did a lot of things. We knew what we would do, and we did a lot of things that worked. All those things are eliminated today, and I, I, I can't understand why. I, I don't know why those same things aren't being done. Like what? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, here was the pitch to Vince. Bro, I wasn't a genius. I came into the business. Vince had his minions around him. He had the Pritchards and he had the Pattersons. He had the people that have been in the, I call it the wrestling bubble. Oh, yeah. Okay, bro, I, I came from a fan point of view. As soon as I set foot in Titan Tower, I saw this. I was like, bro, these people like are in another world. They are out of touch with what's happening out there. So what was the problem, bro? The problem was it was early to mid-90s. They were doing 70s wrestling. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you guys got to bring this up to speed. You right. guys got to mirror what's going on you gotta in make society. It yeah. So what I said to Vince was, I said, Vince, this is real simple. Everything is done in wrestling the exact same way it's been done that way for the last 50 years. Here's what we got to do. If people think we're going to we're gonna go left, we got to go right. We got we to gotta throw the wrestling handbook out the window and go the other way. I said, now you're going to keep people on their toes. They're not going to know what to expect. Now, all of a sudden, bro, you got must-see TV because they know wrestling. They know the patterns. Now, all of a sudden, wait a minute. I, that wasn't supposed to happen. And we consistently did that, bro, all the time. The second thing, bro, was when a wrestler was ready to make their debut, here's what I would do. I'm sitting across from Edge or I'm sitting across from Christian. 
bro, I am having like a psychological conversation with them because what I'm trying to do, bro, is I'm trying to, to, to learn who they really are. Right. And I'm trying to pull something out of them that's unique, that's different from everybody else. And here's why I'm trying to do that, Chris, because you know, these guys are not actors. They don't go to acting school. So if you give them a role and they're not trained actors, they're going to suck at it. And if they don't believe what they're doing, the right. audience ain't going to believe it. So I had to find something that was real in them. So what we did was we would find something that was real, would make them unique. And again, we would blow it up a thousand times over. So now when they went out there, they weren't acting. Their character was a part of them. So the fans and the viewers believed in them. And also, too, you had the one of the best moments in wrestling history when, to me, the three biggest marquee stars are Hogan, Rock, and Austin. Once in a generation athletes, but you had two at the same time. Mm -hmm. That that will never happen again. You know, you could never duplicate that. And how was that for you as... Well, bro, you got to remember, though, who Rock and Austin were before the Attitude Era. Talk about that. I'll never forget this, Chris. This is true. Listen, I don't, I, I don't mean to knock Vince McMahon, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And bro, Vince is a genius on a particular level, and I point it out all the time because I've never seen anything like it, and I yes, can get I've into seen that. that. Yeah, but bro, he, he, here's the thing. I'll never forget this. When a new wrestler would come in, okay, you know, I was writing a lot of their stuff, so I would have to sit down with Vince and say, okay, Vince, what are your thoughts for so-and-so? Bro, I'll never forget when Austin came in. And I, I was a stunning Steve Austin fan on WCW. You could tell this guy had personality out the ass. And I'll never forget, bro, Vince looked at me and said, I don't want Steve Austin to ever say a word. He's, he's the ringmaster. He says nothing. Ted DiBiase does all his talking. And, bro, I swear to God, in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> he's never seen Austin. Like, he has no idea. And, bro, then I would have to go to Steve. And say, Vin, you know, Steve, this is what Vince wants. But, bro, to Austin's credit, every week, Vince, you got to give me more. You got to give me a mic. You got to give me more. You got to give me more. So, Chris, what happened was I was writing the show with, with Ed. Bro, there was an opportunity to put uh, Steve on headsets during a match. Okay. And I saw this and I'm like, here's your chance. Here yeah. it is. Bro, I tell everybody this. Bro, in a matter of three to four minutes, Stone Cold Steve Austin made himself a multi-millionaire a thousand times over. In those three minutes, bro, he became Stone Cold Steve Austin, and like that was it. Bro, I got another great story with Vince. Remember the King of the Ring promo? Yeah. Bro, see again, people, you know, the whole, whole thing about Vince Russo is, oh, bro, Vince takes credit for everything. Bro, Austin came to me with the Austin 316 promo. And he said, Vince, what are you? I said, Steve, that's brilliant. I said, that's brilliant. So bro, that night he cuts the promo. And there are certain times in wrestling where like, I just know like that, bro, that's it. Like, that's it. Yeah. I was so excited about Austin's promo. I went back to the office. I was doing the magazine at the time. I put Austin on the cover of the magazine. It was a black and white grainy close-up shot and the blood was in red. And the headline read, Austin 316. Bro, back then, Vince approved the covers. So I had to go to the television studio with the cover. 
<laughs> bro, he looks at me and I, I, I know when Vince yes. is confused. Yeah. Okay. Austin 316, what does this mean? I said, Vince, this is what he said in the promo. I said, Vince, this is it. I said, this is money. This is going to be huge, bro. I don't like it. Change it. Wow. And bro, if you go back, the, the cover reads Stone Cold, Cold Killer or something. Bro, he didn't get the Austin 316. Yeah. But, um, you know, bro, and, and I, I think what we had back then was, bro, it was it was a relationship with the writer and the, and the wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Because, bro, my mentality was, bro, nobody knows your character better than you. Right. I, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about 50 characters. You're concentrating right. on one. Yeah. So now when I could have a conversation with you and you bring all these things to light, I'm like, bro, that's it. You know, let's do it. It, it was a communication, bro. It was a team. I think that's gone today, man. Well, I remember my first promo. It's like the famous promo that people talk about. I wrote it on the floor of my apartment, just throwing ideas down. Because that was what it was in WCW. I didn't ever have a lot of promos, but I, Bischoff would always give me 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's why I came up with, you know, I told Rock and Roll and all this other stuff. And I wrote it down and I showed it to you. And you're like, this is great. Do we have to show it to anybody else? No, no rehearsal. Yep. No, no camera angle blocking. You and me and The Rock sat at the old catering there in uh, it, All State Arena. Yep. And I wrote through it. And then Rock had a couple ideas, you know, That's KY it. Jelly and Hooventude Guerrero, whatever. <laughs> you, you and I and Rock rehearsed it. And that's it. So it, everything was done that way. Yeah. Back nobody then. saw everything. it until yeah. we debuted it in front of millions yep. of people. One yep. of the quote unquote classic promos of all yeah. time. Nobody saw that before the three of us. And and that's why, Chris, I look at today where every word is scripted, every promo sounds the same. It's a wrestling promo. Nobody has a personality. And I'm like, bro, what happened? I don't understand. So like the impression I get is Vince doesn't trust these guys. No. So but but he, here's the funny thing to me, bro, if you don't trust them, why are they working for you? Like, why are they there? You've got to trust the talent, bro. If you don't, why are they there? Well, I mean, you, you, that's one of the reasons why I went to AEW. You have to let the artists be artists. And I, was, I love working for Vince, but I also love, I did a promo in Jacksonville at the at the Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view we did. It was the first promo in 20 years that had no script, no rehearsal, and I had no idea what I was gonna say. And I'll be honest with you, in front of a live crowd and not a house show, a live pay-per-view crowd. I was not nervous, but I was like, can I still do this? Right. Like, this is what I've always done. Can right. I still do it? I went up there and it, it was a lot of fun and it went great. And you're like, this is what wrestling is. Because like you said, the guys have to get themselves over. If it's not working, then other guys can come in and give them a little bit of a, of a shove. But no one would have thought of Austin 316. No one would have thought of, you know, you just made the list of all this, whatever yeah, it is. The, the, the Rock came up with every one of those. That's right. Bro, I, I wish I could sit here and say, oh, yeah, I came up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, every time I would show up at TV, he'd hit me with the next catchphrase because he was thinking about it all week. Why would why would I want to shut that down? Yeah. And, and that's the thing, Chris, that blows me away. That worked. Mm, Obviously, it time. worked. Look, what you're doing now is not working. Why would you not go back to what? work is it stubbornness is it ego it just blows my mind man whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day eggs are a staple in our diets eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25 percent less saturated fat not only are they better for you but eggland's best eggs taste better too there's a reason that they're america's number one eggs 
Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. What were some of your favorite angles that you came up with? I, I mean, the chop chop your pee pee was so ridiculous. It was funny, but no one had ever seen anything like that before. <laughs> Bro, the funny thing about the Val Venus character, Sean Morley, was, yeah. you know, I, I told you, I, I told you, Chris, I would have to get together with every talent. Bro, Sean Morley was all he wanted to talk about was politics. I know nothing about politics. So I'm, I'm sitting there saying, bro, I can't write for you yeah. if you're going to be a political. Ca- I can't I can't help you. Yeah. And bro, he's going on about politics. And I'm like, well, I don't what are we going to do with it? And bro, I just kept looking at him. And, and the thought was. Bro, he just looks like a sleazy porn star. I mean, that's what he looks like. But, bro, that was one of the rare cases where Val Venus was nothing like him. Right. But, oh my God, bro, did he convince you he was that character or what? But, um, you know, bro, I had a lot of fun because it was different back then with Goldust, man. Mm. The, the stuff we were, and, and again. What a great performer. Oh, my yeah. God, bro. What a great yeah. performer. In any capacity. Serious, bizarre, funny, yeah. comedy. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And that's what I miss today, man. I mean, when you, bro, I watch every show. You know, I, I do podcasting now. I watch every show. Bro, every promo sounds like it's coming from the same person. Because it is. Yeah. And, and it's, I don't. Listen, you know, because I saw how many years, bro, I was talking about there's an AEWWE conspiracy and they were working together. But here's why I was saying this, because my, my, what I was saying was, bro, they're either working together or like Vince has just turned into an imbecile. Because, you know, when, when Zane's going out there and putting over AEW, I'm like, bro, either they're working together or Vince has lost his mind. But it's like, bro, the more I look at it, like Vince, the attitude era worked. There were reasons why it worked. What you're doing now is not working. I mean, are, are you that much of an egomaniac that you can't say, guys, this ain't working. Maybe we need to look at what worked back then. It, mm. it just blows my mind, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not the Vince that we know. You know what no. I mean? Some of the booking and some of the stuff like that, I'm, I'm very confused by as well. But it's hard to say because Vince, like you said, that you mentioned that there was moments where you saw him being a pure genius. You know what the genius was, Chris? Here's what, what it was, bro. The stuff with Vince McMahon was a filter. This, bro, that was absolute bullshit. Oh, wow. It never worked that way. If Vince McMahon was the filter, then why is the great filter still there today and the product sucks? Mm-hmm. So throw that out the window. <laughs> Here's how it worked, Chris. Me and Ed Ferrara would write out the entire show, segment by segment by segment, commercial breaks, hooks, the entire show. Bro, while we're writing this show, our mentality was Vince ain't going to be able to poke one hole in this show because we would keep bringing up, well, Vince would say this and Vince would say that. So we'd cover it. And, and, our, and the game would become, bro, he's not going to poke one hole in this show. So then, bro, we, 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 we bring him the entire show. We, we, we go segment by segment with the show. Okay, okay, bro, he never poo-pooed anything. He, he never presented like a big idea. He'd say, okay, you know, sounds good, sounds good. Then we go back and write it. Then we dot the eyes really, really thorough. Bro, this was the genius, okay? Me and Ed would be so proud of that show saying, bro, he ain't gonna, there's nothing in this show. Bro, sure enough, he, the glasses at the end of the nose, Okay, every single segment, bro, 
he would find the littlest thing, Chris, that would take it from an eight to a 10. And freaking Ed and I would sit there saying, we beat the shit out of each other. Why didn't we yeah. see that? But bro, he did it every yeah. time. And that's why, bro, like everything I hear now, Vince is in control, Vince is writing a show. Bro, here's the problem. He can't write a show on a blank piece of paper. You've got to give him a show, a complete show. Let him digest that show and he'll make that show better. Yeah. He, he won't change any, he, bro, he never yeah. changed anything we wrote, but he would make ever, and it was his favorite word was the nuances. The new, and, and bro, he would blow me away. I would just sit there and shake my head. He, it, it was the vision. He, he would see everything in his mind and play it out in his mind. And, bro, it was it, it was unbelievable. I, I am nodding my head with a big smile on my face because I always say the same thing. I would go in there with an idea. And let's say my idea was two salt shakers next to each other. And I had built these salt shakers and I had done everything I could to make it great. And he said, what if you move this salt shaker just the two millimeters to the left or why didn't I see that? That's it, man. It's, that's it. He could do that. Every week. And that's why when people say, oh, Vince is lost or whatever, and, and you just made a great point. Maybe his genius or maybe is not writing the show, but he still has the same eye for detail, the nuances, yeah. the little things. And the problem is, though, obviously, here's, here's where I was lucky with Vince. And I was not lucky when I went to WCW. I was not lucky when I went to TNA. WWE was in a bad place when, when I started writing. Okay, business-wise or business-wise, yeah, yeah, they were in the red, bro. Right. I mean, they, 1994, they were in a bad spot. And, you know, Vince was in a position he had nothing to lose. So when we started the Attitude Era, Vince knew we're not going <laughs> to increase the ratings overnight. I got to stick with this. We got to stick right, with stick this. with the plan. And that was it, bro. Him sticking with the plan. Anybody else after a month, they would have been off of it. Him sticking with the plan was the reason it eventually reached. Anybody else, bro, would have said, this ain't working. We need to go in another direction. So I was lucky that he gave me the opportunity to see it through. So when you said you weren't lucky when you went to WCW, what were the big differences when, when you left WWE? Because you must have not been under contract at WWE because you left with a week to go. Or no contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no contract. So what were the big differences? The moment you walked through the door in WCW, oh, were you, were you treated like, a, like an enemy? Yeah, bro, he, here's what it was. Because I was successful for Vince, yeah. he had my back. Like, you screwed with me, you screwed with him. Pritchard tried to screw with me with his political bullshit. And I went to Vince, I'm like, bro, I don't know what he's doing. I, I don't play that game. Right. I just want to write the show. Bro, whatever Vince said to Pritchard, Backed off. Never, nothing ever. Bro, when I walked into WCW, there was, there was a bullseye on my back. There was no protection. They, they, you know, everybody wanted my job. Everybody should have been doing it but me. I felt it the minute I walked in the door. There was no protection. I was on my own. And Chris, I'm the kind of guy that like, bro, I know all this political shit is going on around me. I'm getting paid to write the best show I can. I'm not going to get involved in it. If the politics are going to bring me down, then so be it. I'm not going to play that game. So these politics are going on behind my back. Bro, I knew damn well I only had a matter of time before they would win that yeah. game. I, I'm, I just don't play that game. It's funny because, once again, for people that don't quite understand, the wrestling war, the Monday Night War was real. 
there you for go. the guys because I could say the exact same thing to you when I went to WWE. I was by myself as well. Huge target on my back. And that's why when you left, I was the turtle shell was taken off and I was, you know, very right. You had the same thing when you went Absolutely. there. Who, who hired you? Because Bischoff was gone at that point, yeah. correct? It was actually, I mean, I got in through J.J. Dillon. Gotcha. You know, so I got in through J.J. And, and Chris, here's the thing that pissed me off. Because of my experience with Vince and I had graphs of how long it took to grow ratings. I mean, I had numbers out the yin and nobody looked at numbers like me. And bro, I told them over and over and over. And guys, you're not going to get ratings overnight. I'm telling you right now, good ratings come through consistent, good television week after week after week. You are not going to see good ratings for another six months. We got to put the building blocks in place. We got a st- consistent television, good television. Bro, one, one month in, they wanted to go from a 2.5 to a 4. And I'm like, guys, it, it doesn't work that way. Was there some of the guys there that you feel that you helped quite a bit? Because there was a, a still a pretty good roster in WCW well, when bro, you got I, there. First of all, I'm very proud of my WCW work. I know while I was there, everybody got an opportunity. I mean, bro, when you go back and look at one of my WCW shows, bro, there are 50 guys on the show. Mm. Like, everybody's on the show. So I really went in there with, this is an even playing field. Everybody's going to give an opportunity. Bro, if the people get with you, we're going with you. Like, this, this is up to you now. Everybody's going to get a fair opportunity. And I did that. And I'm, I mean, I'm proud of that. Because you did give a lot of guys once again the characters. I'm thinking the one guy I'm thinking of is is Mike Awesome. God bless him. <laughs> knew him in FMW. Big guy. Kind of one of the early big guys that was also very athletic and doing topes on the top rope, but not really much of a character guy right. per se. Right. So what do you do when you see a guy like that? And then how do you give him the the fat chick thriller gimmick, whatever it was? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, bro. There was a side of Mike Awesome that was like a little goofy. You know what I'm yeah, saying? You're so, right, like, yeah. and, and bro, he kind of dressed retro. Like when he wore dress clothing, he had like the big <laughs> collar. He really, you know, so like when I saw that, I was like, well, he's got the goofy side and he's got the, the he's dressed in retro to begin with. Maybe he's got a thing for, you know, fat chicks. And <laughs> from what I understand though, bro, like, and this has always bothered me in the business because I hear now how much Mike Awesome hated the gimmick. First of all, bro, he never said anything. And I, that drives me crazy. Bro, if you don't like a gimmick, freaking tell me. It's the old philosophy. Oh, bro, if we don't tell them we like it, we're going to lose our spot. Bullshit. Tell me you don't like it. I'll you won't you. be able to get it over if you don't like it. Exactly, bro. And not only that, you'll make sure it doesn't get over. So, like, I'm hearing now that he hated the gimmick, but his wife loved the gimmick. So I'm happy about that. At least, at least some, somebody <laughs> But, but, but once again, that. you go from, not that Mike was, and this was just an example, I remember that gimmick, the the fat chick thriller. I just I was I was talking to Luchasaurus on this show, and like I love that gimmick because you remember it, right? Absolutely. What is a Luchasaurus? I don't know if he was Judas Draven, like he was like another kind of a, a just a mediocre wrestling name, whatever. But Luchasaurus and and the fat chick thriller and, and these type of things, you you remember this, and it, and it gives you something to, to to stick to. Yeah. And I think once again that gives you a connection to the character. Yep. No, bro, it, p- people, bro, people constantly bury me things for 20 years ago. And I'm like, bro, do you understand you're still talking about Viagra on a pole from 20 years ago? What happened on Raw last night? 
they can't tell me. Mm -hmm. They can't tell me what happened on the show last night. But oh, tw 20 years ago, that moron Russo put a bottle of Viagra. Bro, you're talking about <laughs> it 20 years freaking later. David Arquette, you're talking about it 20 years later. But they don't get it. They, bro, they'll bury me for it and they'll criticize me for it. They're still talking about it 20 years later, but they don't They don't see that. They so don't once understand. Once again, your philosophy, like, I'm thinking Judy Bagwell on a pole. Forklift, forklift. Fork, forklift. Yeah, I get very insulted when you say <laughs> sorry, pole, bro. Sorry. It was a forklift, bro. Yeah. But you took the character development to the nth degree, and wrestling today is based a little bit uh, more around the matches and the physicality. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. You're taking, because wrestling now obviously is much more based to a certain extent around matches and the star rating and, and all this sort of stuff. You took the character side to the nth degree in the other direction. I mean, because there was a lot of, you know, the whole Crash TV, Russo's Crash TV yeah. idea. Is it so wrong that you were taking it that way? Chris, you you went me, to the extreme on the Chris, other way. listen, I, 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 let's, let me tell you something about AEW. Some of the things I read that Cody is saying, I, I hope he's working. Like, I hope, he, like Cody has said, we don't need writers, the wrestlers. Cody, it's a television show, bro. You, you're on a television network primetime. It's a television show. Okay, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a writer. The wrestlers aren't writers. They're wrestlers. And then, bro, when he turns around and he made this statement and he said something like, oh, no, bro, we don't, we don't need the casual fans. We don't need new fans. We're going to concentrate on the fans. Bro, bro, tell TNT that. Tell TNT, bro, we don't need new view viewers. We, we got about 100,000 people that dig our product, and that's enough. Chris, here's, here's what nobody does, okay? They're going head-to-head -head with NXT. Bro, when, we, when I was in WWE and it was Nitro, and when I was on Nitro and it was Raw, bro, do you know how we wrote the TV? The guy is sitting in his chair with the remote in his hand daring you. Give me a reason to change the channel. Give me a reason to change the channel. And bro, if he changes the channel and goes to that other show and something good is going on, he may never come back. Why do you think Judy Bagwell's on a pole? Viagra's on a on pole? On a forklift. On a forklift, thank you. <laughs> There's a porn star. Why do you think? Because if that guy's flipping and... There's a middle-aged woman on a forklift in a wrestling match. Guess what, Chris? He's stopping. Wrestling is all about the spectacle. You've got to make, if television viewers are clicking through the channels, bro, you got to give them something to make them stop. If they stop for a second, bro, and you engage them, now you have the opportunity to grab them. Bro, if both shows, NXT and AEW, are match after match after match after match. Why am I choosing from one between the other? And, bro, guess what? If I'm not a wrestling fan, I'm not watching either one of them. But if I'm a television viewer, bro, and I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden there's a spectacle, I am stopping on that spectacle. That's what all that shit was. Chris, it's gimmicks. It's getting people to stop and ask the question, what the hell is going on here? 
Do you feel that it always worked? 100% of the time. 100% of the time I felt that it worked. And that's why, bro, I always looked at wrestling as a spectacle. It's always been larger than life, bro. I mean, that's what you and I grew up on. Larger than life. George of the Animal Steel. The guy's eating a freaking turnbuckle. Again, same philosophy. If I'm turning the channel and this freaking hairy guy is eating a turnbuckle, bro, I don't see that in everyday life. I'm going to stop. I'm going to see what's going on here. But if they, if it's just back and forth wrestling, I don't know how they're going to grow the audience. Because in a lot of ways, just uh, devil's advocate, you, th you talk about the dusty finish, and it's kind of a derogatory term. Or you talk about the Russo, Russo booking, overbooking, maybe some people would say. Uh, in retrospect, because you always had a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Now, you're keeping the audience with the spectacle of the thing, but was it... Was it sensory overload to people in some in some cases? I, I don't think so, bro, because they couldn't miss it. Mm. You know what I'm saying, bro? If they missed a show, they knew they were going to miss something, which is un another thing, bro, with the WWE, which like, I, I don't understand. Bro, we ended every show with a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. There was a reason you have to come back next week. Bro, every Raw show, period, period. Now we got to start all over again. Why are you doing that? I, I don't, all the minds that they have there, you can't come up with a cliffhanger. It blows my mind, man. It really Let does. Let me ask you a question of what the, um, the idea about this. One of my favorite cliffhangers, and you were there, yeah. It was when Shawn Michaels gets beat up and like he find, he's like on the, on the hood of a car and he's like all bloody. And like, I honestly thought that maybe, you know, I didn't know anything. I thought, is Sean retiring and they're killing off his character like you would on CSI or something right. almost? Yep. What, was the original, I mean, what was, was the plan just having the shit kicked out of him? There's your, there's your cliffhanger. Because that was different from anything else that I had seen at the time. Yeah. Do you remember that spot? I, I, I remember what you're talking about, but I can't remember specifically. You know, Chris, here's the thing, man. When, when you write a television show that way, Bro, it organically writes itself. He, here's the key. Th this is what wrestling's missing today, and I think this is why it's doing the audience. When you take storylines away and you take characters away, what do you have to do, bro? You gotta have more wrestling. You've gotta rely on more wrestling. Well, bro, in the wrestling ring, you can only do so much. We've seen it all, bro. We've seen every move. So now what happens? They keep up in the ante. The moves keep getting more dangerous and more dangerous and more dangerous. Bro, when you have characters and you have storylines, now you can you can develop characters where they don't have to go out there and they don't have to kill themselves. And a lot of times, bro, here's how I used to write, Chris. Nobody does this anymore. Whatever character I'm writing for, I put myself in their boots. When I'm writing for Chris Jericho, I become Jericho. And that character now is so well-crafted and so well-rounded that now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if Chris Jericho got attacked, if Chris Jericho got hit by a car, what would he do? Because if The Rock got hit by a car, he would do something completely different. Austin would do something completely different. All based on your personality, you would all react differently. That's what makes you real people. Bro, wrestling is right back to the heel's going to act this way and the baby face is going to act this way. Bro, they all act the same. There is no personality. So when you have a, a, a television viewer, a casual fan, 
there's it's, it's it goes right back to what you said, Chris. There's no connection. What, why do I care about this person? There's absolutely no con, you know, there's no connection. But that's a lack of character development. You've got to know every one of your characters inside out, man. You got to know what they eat for breakfast. You got to know what time they shit. You got to know what's going through their mind, what they're thinking about. That's what we did. And if you stay true to the characters, bro, the show will write itself. Because now if you're true to all these characters and they all come together, that show is going to write itself. There's a difference between a writer and a booker. A writer writes the story first. Okay, bro, a writer writes the story first. The story dictates the match. With the booker, Oh, these two guys will have a great match. Let's put them together. So then what they do is they put these two wrestlers together, but then they have to figure out what kind of a story makes sense. Bro, that's ass backwards. You got to start with the story first and organically that will lead into the match. It's amazing to me when, when they're talking about Vince has brought Jared back and, and Pritchard back and, you know, Bischoff back. Have they, have they ever tried to bring you back? It would seem like a no-brainer. No? That door is closed. <laughs> Bro, he, 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 here's the bottom line. Think about this for a second, Chris. If Vince Russo went back to the WWE and all of a sudden the ratings went up again, well, okay, now what? I swear to God, I think that's what he's afraid of because <laughs> Vince is like, he, he's Oz. He wants you to believe it was all him. Bro, it, it wasn't all you. I mean, and if it was all you, you'd have that same success today that you had back then. So if all of a sudden, you know, Vince Russo comes back and all of a sudden we start gaining momentum and getting viewership back, well then, bro, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, maybe it wasn't Vince after all. Bro, that's the only thing I could think of. I, I, I can't think of any other reason. Well, let me, let me digress and say this though. If, if, if Vince needs Vince, and conversely, like let's say you know the Stones. Whenever Mick went and did a solo record, it was never as good as with the Stones. And whenever Keith did a solo record, it was never as good as the Stones. Y your track record has been great, but never as successful as it was when you had McMahon as your partner, so right. to speak. Right. So would would it, but does that work both ways? Do you need McMahon to, to really be successful? Oh, yeah, bro. One of the reasons, like, bro, I, I, we've had contact back for, and I've heard you comment on this. I always get the THX. <laughs> and I just want to say, Vince, go go f yourself. Like seriously, bro. You like who, thanks. Yeah, you're not you're not God, bro. You know. And Chris, I've said, bro, if you want somebody to watch your show and let you know right. what's wrong with it, let me know. And I, bro, I've never asked Vince for a job since I left. Mm -hmm. Never once. But what happens is because I'm a wrestling fan and I see it get so bad, I'm I'm like. Bro, you can make this better. Like, this can be great again. So, like, I'll always write, bro, if you want somebody to give you a fair assessment of the show, no bullshit, I will be happy to do that for you. And then, bro, I always get the THX. But, yeah, bro, one of the reasons, Chris, here's, here's the beauty of what's happening today, okay? Bro, my last five years of w at, at TNA, I saw this happening. I saw the business change before my eyes. Bro, all these young kids were coming in. Uh, young Bucks, the Samoa Joes, the Motor City Machine Guns. And Chris, here's what I was noticing. Now you gotta remember, I was used to working with Rock and Jericho and Mick Foley and, and all these guys. And it was a, a professional wrestler, writer. It was really professional. Bro, these kids were walking in the door and I would have conversations with them immediately they knew more than I did. 
they knew more than Vince Russo, who wrote for Austin, all these guys would ever know. And here's, here's the second thing I would always see, Chris. All day long, bro. They're in the back. They're in the back walking around. Going over the spots. Memorizing their <laughs> spots. Now, Chris, think about this for a second. If you're memorizing your spots and you have that many spots in a match and you're memorizing every single one of them, bro, what's the first thing that goes out the window? Your character. Mm -hmm. That's the first yeah. thing that, because you got to remember the spot. So I can't remember how, as my character, how would I react to this move? You can't remember both. So bro, what they're doing is they're memorizing spots. Now all of a sudden, guess what? Every match looks the same with all wrestlers. There are no longer characters. Bro, I saw this happening. I left TNA, bro, in 2012. Bro, this started happening in about 2007. I could see the writing on the walls. And bro, my, my philosophy was, bro, if you think your way is going to work, then freaking go out there and do it because you're going to fall flat on your face and you're never going to get over. And now I sit back, bro, and I'm looking at a 20-year decline in the ratings of wrestling and, and nobody can understand why when it's right in front of your face. Blows my mind. You know, it's interesting because I remember Raven telling me that in about 97. When I was, I mean, I'm still learning, but it was really learning. And he was always saying... You're thinking about the next spot too much in the ring. I can tell. And whether I was working with him or not, like, what do you mean? I can tell you're not living in the moment because you're too busy thinking about the next spot. That's it. He man. goes, don't do that. And it took me a long time to really understand that because you do have to live in the moment. That's so you can really capitalize on what's going on. If you're just worried about what's coming up next, it's, it's like memorizing a promo. All you're worrying about is getting through it and not actually living it and feeling it and breathing it. That's exactly it. And I mean, it's, it's every week, it's the same thing. And then you wonder why the casual fans have left. They don't believe in it, bro. It looks phony to them. Bro, just this past week, I don't know if you saw Raw or not, but they got this new Cedric Alexander guy, mm -hmm. right? So prior to his match with Corbin, the OC beats the shit out of him in the back. Okay, bro, so now he's selling to the ring. Obviously, WWE wanted to hurt him, so that's his out. Right. Bro, he's selling to the ring. He's selling. Corbin's on top. He's selling. It's selling. Bro, you can see it as clear as day, Chris. Now it's time for him to get his spots in. Bro, he stands tall in the middle of the ring, hits that far rope at 100 miles an hour, freaking swan dives off the top rope you know, to the outside of the ring. So now as a viewer, what am I saying? I'm saying- <laughs> He's not hurt. I, I guess he's okay. Yeah. And, and so what happens? The sympathy on the baby face. There is no, he's not hurt. He's obviously okay. But bro, you could tell, I hate to use the, the expression, you could tell he had to get his shit in. Like this is where I get my shit in. The injury, getting beat down, the selling, all that is going out the window. What they don't understand, Chris, is that's what casual fans see. Mm. And they watch that and they're like, bro, this is bullshit. This guy just got his freaking ass kicked. Now he's, I, I, I don't know why agents aren't telling them this stuff. I, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure. Cause I know a lot of times, especially in that world, they're doing whatever they can just to not get in trouble with Vince. Right. right? But I, I always try to uh, go ahead. But you think that would get him in trouble with Vince? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's that's one. I haven't worked there in two years, and when I went to New Japan and then AEW, it's like I don't know if I could go back there. Once again, I love Vince, great guy, right? But the system that they have, I don't know. Maybe I've outgrown it, or maybe maybe it's not who I am as a performer anymore. Right. right. But one thing for for younger wrestlers, especially baby faces, 
you know which character I always love watching was was Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford, because he gets the shit kicked out of him every fight, and he feel like he's getting the shit kicked right. out of every fight. And when he wins, he barely wins, but in a valiant way, he gets his revenge. But you never once, if you hadn't seen those movies a hundred times, you would wonder: Is this going to be the end? Is right. he going to be the one that goes into <laughs> right. that propeller with right. his German guys kicking the shit out of him? Right. Indiana Jones doesn't get his shit in, but he wins every time. Right. Yep. Jackie Chan's the same in every Jackie Chan movie. He gets the crap kicked out of him. That's a part of a baby face that I think is is lost. The Ricky Morton selling the Ricky Steamboat. The Shawn Michaels is a baby face. Still one of the best baby face sellers of all time. Yeah. That's kind of gone out the window a bit because the business is morphed. And listen, I'm not going to sit here uh, and say back in my day because I'm almost 30 years in, but I'm still working you know, at on top because I was able to morph. But there's certain things that never change. The basic right. nuts and bolts of wrestling never change. I say that right? all the time. The foundation never changes. Yes. The foundation always remains the same. Bro, I think the problem with wrestling is they change the game. Hmm. They change the game. And they meaning the, the wrestlers? Rest, the wrestlers. And bro, my thing is, bro, if you guys have changed the game, fine. But don't call it professional wrestling. Hmm. Because what we're seeing is not professional wrestling. Bro, I've watched professional wrestling since I was 10. Yeah, I watched when I was in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. I was writing for the WWE, bro, for a good, you know, 40 years. What we're seeing now is not wrestling, bro. That That's not wrestling. So, bro, if you want to call it performance art, like, whatever you want to call it, cool. But the problem is, bro, when you call it professional wrestling, bro, it would be like baseball. If all of a sudden they said tomorrow in baseball, guess what, bro? We're going to take, uh, <laughs> we're going to take second base away. Baseball now is only going to be two bases. Well, bro, you've changed the game now. Right. It's not baseball now. I, I think that's where the miscommunication is. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. You know what makes me laugh? I, I do not want to open a can of worms, but it makes me laugh at, at, at all of the, the heat that you and, and Cornette have, and you have the same viewpoint. Yeah. Because Jimmy would say the same thing about the performance art and change. I think he might have even said the same thing before. You guys both come from the same point of what the business is changing. Now, I know a lot of old-time fans don't like it as much, but does that make it wrong that the game has changed? You know what I mean? If there, is there a new generation of fans that are more into the video game side of things so that when Orange Cassidy wrestles with his hands in his pockets, which would be super hard to do, by the way. I don't know right. how the hell he does it. Right. I appreciate the fact he's doing something different because I can see the connection he has. But there's a myriad of, of people that hate him for example right what, what do you think about that side of things chris i have always been a numbers guy okay bro look at the numbers the numbers have been going down every year for 20 years there's less That's and true. less wrestling fans now chris if it were the other way around then i would say okay bro this is working Shit, bro, you're, you're growing those numbers. More people are watching wrestling. This is working. I'm, I'm in the minority. Bro, I'm not in the minority. A lot of people are no longer watching wrestling. Bro, what, 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 here's what wrestling has done. And bro, I've always said it, wrestling has done this to themselves. Nobody else has. 
The world was your audience, bro. The world. Remember the old WWE, what the world is watching? <laughs> that was a shoot. Bro, it has been narrowed down to a niche audience. It is a niche audience now, bro. The rest of those people went bye-bye. There's obviously something they don't like. So now, bro, what happens is you got a niche audience. Now you got AEW, you got New Japan, you got NXT, you got the WWE, you got AAA. Well, bro, now now you're going to be fighting over this little slice of the pie. This little piece of turf. This little piece of <laughs> turf. And, bro, guess what? People are going to be eliminated. Yeah. Okay? My thing is, bro, get the world to watch again. What does the what does that casual fan want to see? You've got to build those numbers. So let's say Vince Russo, I get a call. I'm uh, George Swanson, and I've got fifty billion dollars, <laughs> and I'm putting together a wrestling company. What do you do to to get the world watching again? Can I tell you, Chris? You know how, like you just said, I couldn't go back to the WWE because I've changed as a performer and whatnot. Chris, one of the reasons I I got out of the business and I walked away from the business bro at TNA was I got tired of trying to convince people what they had to do. I, I got tired of it, bro. I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince you what needs to be done. And that's what I found myself doing, bro. I found myself doing it at WCW. I found myself doing it at TNA. Bro, I'll never forget. Here's a perfect example, Chris. You will love this. Do you know we had TNA up to 2 million viewers? Yeah, I remember that. Chris, That's we had, insane when you think about that. Chris, we had one show. It was after the big pay-per-view was Bound for Glory. And I'll never forget, I got a call from Matt Conway, who was like my assistant writer. Matt, Matt was looking at last year's show. And Matt said, Vince, last year's show after Bound for Glory was like our highest rated show. He goes, bro, there was hardly any wrestling on the show. So I said, well, shit, if that worked, let's do the same thing. So, bro, we had the show after Bound for Glory. Bro, the first 45 minutes of the show, no wrestling. Story, 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 story. Bro, we, that show drew the highest ratings in TNA history. Bro, the next day, Spike TV is in the office cutting a promo on me because, oh, bro, I thought this was supposed to be a wrestling show. You didn't have wrestling on this show till 45 minutes in. And I'm like, bro, do you want rating? You know, Disco, who I think is the biggest imbecile in the world. I think we could both <laughs> agree on that. I think we could agree Disco killed WCW. But you know how Disco always puts it? He puts it so simply. Yeah. Bro, you got a two-hour block of television. Your goal is to get as many people to watch your show as possible. That is the goal. Bro, the more people that watch your show, the more people are going to buy the pay-per-view, the more people are going to go to house shows, the more people are going to buy merchandise. The more eyeballs you have, the more customers you have. So you got a two-hour block, bro. So you do whatever you have to do to get as many people to watch that product as possible. Bro, I do it with my podcasting. I do outrageous things. I say outrageous things. Why? Because I want to increase my audience. How did you like working uh, with Hogan in TNA and in WCW? Ah, bro, I, I never had a good relationship with Hogan, but it was because of Bischoff. Mm. Bro, I honestly believe if Bischoff was not there, I would have had a great relationship with Hulk. When, when I would have one-on-one -on -one conversations with Hulk, th they would be great. But bro, freaking Eric would just poison his mind about me and don't trust me. And he's trying to get rid of you and this, that. I, I, I just never had a chance with him. Because it seems like Hulk would, would get what you're saying. 
Yes. that was always his side of the thing yes. as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Who, who did you like uh, writing for and working with the most out of, you know, I mean, if there are three or four guys that you always enjoyed working with? Oh, God, bro. I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, you know, Goldust, probably number one, because he was just so, so freaking unique. <laughs> yeah. Mick Foley, bro, because he had the mind of a genius. I, I mean, Mick Interesting. Foley. Interesting. Yeah, Mick Foley really was genius level. I, I mean, there's no doubt people in People forget mind. that because they think of barbed wire bats uh, and falling off no, cages. But, no. but his psychology and his, his thoughts about the business was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Bro, when... The very first day I ever worked with Rock, I'm, I'm telling you, Chris, the very first day I ever worked with him, I knew, bro, this guy's different good. level. Yeah. Because you want to know why, Chris? He was a lot like you. I'll tell you why. Bro, he was smarter than everybody else. He was smarter than everybody else. And I knew it immediately. And I knew that's why he was going to go far. And then, you know, bro, of course, Austin, because like he was just so freaking convincing i mean you just believed in that character and see bro that was the challenge chris because a lot of people would, would always say to me oh vince look at the roster you had oh you're working with austin and rock bro do you not understand as the writer bro my job is to keep raising them to higher heights so the challenge is bro i have to write up to their level right i can't give austin shit I can't give away. Vince, He's going to tell you it's shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also say, Vince, are you, are you out of your freaking mind? So, bro, when you're working with people of this caliber, bro, you've got to give them material that they can take and get themselves to the next level. Bro, when you're working with people like this, it's not easy to do. That's your question. I, I don't want to get into the, the last night of his life, but how did you like working with Owen Hart? Oh, uh, he was the best. Because he, 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 to me... Obviously, because of the way that, that that he passed away, people focused on that. But as a performer, and not he to me, I always kind of used him as a, as an inspiration, not just as a when I first started as a wrestler, because he was the first guy I saw do all of this high flying stuff. But as a character, yeah, and like Eddie Guerrero too, like as a character, was almost even better than the worker he was in the ring. Yeah. They, they got it. Yeah. I mean, they got it, bro. You you know when somebody gets it. They just go out there. I mean, and bro, the, Owen was a comedic genius. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize that. Yeah. I don't think people realize how freaking funny Owen. Bro, one of my favorite stories of all time was in the storyline, like Owen was out or he was hurt and he was going to be gone for like a couple of months. We hadn't seen Owen. Right, bro? So, bro, we're doing a live pay-per-view, and now there's a fight that breaks out. The fight goes backstage, right, bro? So the two guys kick in the door of an office or whatever it was. Bro, there's Owen standing clear as day in front of the camera. Bro, without missing a beat on live TV, Owen looks at the camera and says, I'm not here, and he walks away. <laughs> bro, that, that, that's brilliance. I mean, that is absolute. But, bro, Owen was Owen was a comedic genius, man. He really was. I remember you stuck him on the headset one night, and he said, oh, she's nothing but a hose bag. Yeah. And I was, like, I was like, that's such a Canadian term, but everyone knows what it means. I, right. never, I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah, oh, he was you know, best. you could put him in any situation once again, a lot like Eddie or certain guys you can, or Goldust, you can use them. Yeah. They can main event a pay-per-view. They yeah. can open the show. They can do backstage comedy. Yeah. Those must be the type of guys that as, as a writer just go, oh, oh God, this is yeah. a dream you, come you, true. You, uh, just an absolute field day, man. Who are some other guys that fit in that category? Bro, I'll tell you what, believe it or not, bro, one of my most favorite people that I ever worked with, bro, and, and he, he had every reason to be a dick because he was the real deal. Bro, freaking Kurt Angle. 
Wow, yeah. Kurt got oh, it, bro. Yeah. As great as Kurt was, yeah. bro, you could tell Kurt. Or I could say, all right, hey, Kurt, uh, listen, in, in this pre-tape, you're going to be wearing a dress. Okay, Vince, what color dress do you want me? Yeah. Like, bro, he and very, very funny. But you would never think that about the guy. But, uh, bro, he he was just such a joy to work with, man. I loved working he, with him. Um, I remember you you were there the first night. He ever came in because you guys were pushing him with the three eyes, integrity, whatever they were, intelligence and whatever, as a baby face, right? Like yeah. that was the idea. I mean, I'm not sure if, if it was yours, but Vince definitely wanted to push the gold medals as a baby he face. He actually came in after I left. Okay, gotcha. I had met him, gotcha. but I never worked okay. with him. I didn't work with him until I went to TNA. Gotcha. And oh my God. So bro. They, brought, they brought him in as a baby face. Yeah. And the first night he went in there, I remember it was against Sean Stasiak. And people booed him. Like they were like, there was. The, di- the days of the squeaky clean baby face were long gone and they booed him they booed him they booed him and Vince halfway through the match told the ref tell him to grab a mic and turn heel this is a guy in his first match and Kyoto told him whatever he grabbed the mic and took it like a champ and that night the first night I was like oh dude he's got it and why did that stop because when you say that bro you know what I think of because I say the same exact thing bro I'll never forget couple of years ago in Philly, Roman Reigns goes over and wins the freaking yeah, Royal Rumble yeah, yeah. and they boot him out of the building. Bro, I would I would have got on the headset. I would have had Rowan give them the bird, tell them to F for because that you know why? That's what the guy would have done. That's of what course, the guy right, 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 right. So and that's what confused me. Okay, Vince, why are you doing that with Kurt over here? But now all of a sudden you're in a scenario that's very much the same. That's where I think we've gotten away from the reality. Yeah, he wouldn't do it with Cena either. Yeah. They were selling too much merchandise, right? Yeah. So as we wind down here, you mentioned that you walked away from the business and now you are a very successful podcaster. And like like you said, one of the most controversial guys in the business. And, and do you enjoy having that uh, title? Uh, yeah, you know what, you know, Chris, it's like, I, I, I just, bro, I, I get tired of it. Like, I really get tired of it. Chris, because here's, here's my whole thing with today's wrestling. Here's my whole thing. And bro, if I'm going to get heat over this, then, then give me the heat. The reason I became a wrestling fan, bro, was because of the characters, the storylines, and the ring psychology, telling the stories in the ring. I don't think any of those things exist today, okay? When I turn on the product now, I sit there, bro, and... I'm afraid somebody's going to get hurt. I, I feel like somebody's going to get hurt, bro. I like, ah, I mean, that's what I do throughout the entire show, bro. I'm not turning into wrestling in hopes of somebody getting hurt. So my point is, guys, do you want your freaking career to be over at 25, 26 years old? You're doing this crazy shit, bro. You're, you're, you're taking a chance. This is a work. It's a work, bro. You're taking, I don't know if you're doing it for the pop of the crowd. I don't know why you're doing it. But I mean, my God, guys, do you want to be done when you're 26? Then how are you going to make a living? How are you going to support your family? That's what I'm saying. That's all that I'm saying. Guys, this is a work. You don't have to go out there and kill yourself. Bro, I've said this all along. Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Bro, they will be able to go in a ring when they're 70 years old and cut a promo because and make money because of their personalities and their character. But I just see these guys taking such such risks. And bro, I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Chris, mark my words. Here's what is going to happen. Somebody's either going to die or somebody's going to get paralyzed. And then when that happens, you know what's going to happen? Oh, 
maybe we need to look at the way we're working. Just like with the chair shots, bro. The chair shots mm. to the head, CTE. Okay, bro, now, wow. Same thing is, what, bro, why does it have to get to that point? You know it's going to happen. The guy in Japan, this guy in Japan just last weekend, bro, got knocked silly and the match continued. Somebody's going to get seriously hurt. And I, I just hate to see it get to that point. I don't think that's what wrestling is. Mm -hmm. Do you like do you like anybody in the business now? Like watching anything? I else? love the characters. Mm, like I which, love Bray. I mm. mean, my God, I would do anything to be able to oh, write the fiends, for. Fiends, yeah. Oh my God, I what would a do great anything. reinvention. Oh God, yeah. bro. I mean, a lot like you. Mm -hmm. I mean. But you you look at that and you know he's he's doing that, bro, because it's different from everything else on the show. Bro, I love the WWE roster. I, I love I would love to work with so many of those people. They're just doing the wrong thing. I mean, bro, this win-loss, win-loss, 50-50 booking, nobody getting over. I mean, I don't put that on the talent. You know, I mean, I, I like a lot of the talent on the roster. Is your opinion that guys should win 75, 85% of the time to get over? Well, bro, two things. First of all, bro, the mo the most important thing of, of getting a talent over, Chris, here's the most important thing. Bro, they got to be on TV every week. Yeah. You got to you can't have them on TV. They're not there for two weeks. We're going to start over. They've got to be on TV every single week. And yes, bro, they have to go on rolls. They have to win. But bro, see that that that's the thing too. When we get away from story, all of a sudden everything's a clean finish. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that's getting over. I mean, that's why we did a lot of Zabada, mm -hmm. you know, Pat Patterson's favorite word, because that's how you progress stories and get people over. You keep having clean finishes back and forth. I just don't know how you get anybody over. Hmm. Even that, if you're trying to go for a more athletic-based product? Uh, see, Chris, that's another AEW thing, and it's, it's, it scares me. Bro, it's a work. <laughs> I mean, guys, you, you can say it all you want. You can say it all you want. Chris, you... Chris, can I tell you how to get real numbers? Mm. And, and listen, if they don't want to do entertainment and characters and they just want to go in there and wrestle and do spots and all this shit, there's only one way that that would get over. You know what that is? What? Bro, go in the ring and do it for real. Mm. Do it for real. God, if you guys think like you're Superman and you could do do it for freaking real. People would watch that, bro. But that's the thing, and I keep hearing that with the Tony Khan and this and that about wins and losses and athletic competition. Guys, it's a work. Nobody's winning these freaking matches. Chris, the, 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 the internet destroyed wrestling. I, I mean, the cat was out of the bag. It destroyed wrestling. Everybody knows what wrestling is. Now we're going to tell them it's an athletic competition and it, the... I, I, Chris, I don't understand. People like to say I'm out of touch. I'm irrelevant. No, bro. I'm talking basic logic here. This is logic that I'm talking about. But <laughs> last, uh, last question for you. What was your or a couple of your favorite angles that you ever wrote, bro? My, my favorite angle, far and away, and my, it's almost like it should be taught in the class. And it was me and Ed, bro. My, it was me and Ed, bro. The rock turn in the cooperation. Because the corporation was Vince, Shane. Vince, Shane, boss man. Gotcha. You know, it was Vince's group. Yeah. It was Vince's group because we we told a story like six months out. And it was like just little things. Because we knew where we were going. And we set the table, bro, for six months. And I'll never forget, Chris. He, he, is, he is how believable wrestling was then. The week before the pay-per-view when The Rock turned, okay, 
we had a gimmick in the ring where Rock dropped the people's elbow on Vince, okay? And I'll never forget sitting there with Ed and I'm saying, Ed, is this too far? I mean, he's, he's, he's with Vince. They're in this together. I said, is this too far? My God, he's dropping the people's elbow because in my mind as the writer, bro, the, the people's elbow would kill you. And bro, <laughs> I'll never forget, Ed looked at me and he goes, Vince, it's an elbow. And I'm like, bro, you're right. But at that time, bro, the people's elbow. Oh, bro, like that'll cave your chest in. But no, bro, it was just an elbow. I don't know if you could pull that stuff off today, man. I just don't know. Yeah, it's just like the worm or any of those things. You know, they're the easiest finishes of all that got over the most. Right. Sticking a sock on your hand and putting it down your throats, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah. dude, you had some interesting uh, insight there. And then, like I said, uh, it's great to see you after 20 years. And uh, thank you for, for bringing me into the WWE. If, if it wasn't for you, two months later, I might never have ever gotten a chance to go in there. Well, I mean, Chris, but on, on the other side of the coin, like I said, man, what, what, what you were faced with when we left... <laughs> A lot of people would not have mentally been able to go through that. Right, right, right. And I mean, it's not a surprise to me that you, I mean, that's who you are. Let me ask one last question, because when you left, my first angle was with China. And you guys had built her up so well to, it was, you know, talk about intergender matches happening basically all the time now. My first program was the intergender match with her. That must be one of your you guys' greatest creations, too. Bringing a woman into prominence is actually being someone that could beat men. But it was believable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, she was so big. Yeah. The way she looked, the way she carried herself, said very few words. I mean, it was you. You can pull that off when it's believable. It's mm. when it's not believable that people shit on it. But she was very, very believable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. And it's not gonna be another twenty years before we see each other again. Yeah, I hope not, man. <laughs> I enjoyed this conversation. I've missed you over the years, man. I'll do your show next. Great, great. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. Thanks, man. All right, check out Vince Russo's The Brand Podcast. You can listen to it for free at Spotify, Google, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Twitch, and at Russo'sBrand.com. Uh, there's also a, a premium subscription available on the Realm Network. All right, and don't forget as well to check out Father Christmas. And uh, if you're looking for a little bit of the bubbly, go to littlebitofthebubbly.com. Uh, go now. We've already sold almost 20,000 bottles in just over three weeks. That's insane. Littlebitofthebubbly.com and go uh, get a great Christmas present for you and all your friends. All right, coming up on Friday, it's another present for me. A, a big laughs come a little packages. Brad Williams returns to talk as Jericho. He was the uh, the standalone, the standout star of the Jericho Cruise last year. He was supposed to host it this year, but you'll find out uh, exactly why he can't. So Brad Williams is going to be here on Friday. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. See you later, bro. Thanks, bro.